Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Gab, what are you drinking? I am drinking a dark amber. Um, I'm actually, you're going to hear some background noise because I'm doing my uh, part of this in a local brewery here in Portland, Lucky Lab. I had an appointment nearby, so rather than hustle home, uh, I decided to give this a shot. So hopefully it's not too annoying and kind of reminiscent of those times that we're we're together in the same city. Oh, yeah, it's like our first show in Frisco. Our first show in Frisco or that one time in Boston. Yeah. Well, one um, time in Boston, the bar was almost empty because it was the middle of the day. We were the only two, you know, lushes in yeah. there. Mm. Um, what are what are you enjoying this this lovely evening? Oh, I had a random beer I found at home. I don't even remember what it was. I had it with dinner. And now I'm drinking water because, you know, I got shit to do tomorrow. Well, I got shit to do, too. Actually, no, I don't. I'm taking the day off tomorrow, so. Yeah, um, the difference is it's 10 p.m. for me and it's 7 p.m. for you. Goes so, we, so we we had a slow news day, eh? Yeah, I don't think anything really happened. I mean, although, when I'm being honest, nothing really did happen, did it? Because <laughs> we all knew what the roster was going to be for, like, the past three months. We did. It's It's been painfully obvious uh, what the roster was going to be, and the, the only two, I guess I, I would say that there are three talking points about the roster that came out today. Um, and we'll, we'll get to the players who are actually on it, but two, two talking points would be the players who aren't on it. Crystal Dunn over the Washington Spirit and Rachel Van Hollebeck of the Portland Thorns um, were the two players who were omitted from the World Cup roster that have been seeing some uh, fairly regular camp exposure, some camp time, uh, went to the All-Garb, Kind of, you, you got to feel gutted for them, but at the same time, you know, they have to know that this was coming. Like, hopefully it wasn't a shock to the system. Yeah, I think the only uncertainty around the roster recently has been, oh, is it going to be Kolopny or is it going to be Box? I think everyone pretty much knew Dunn was out. And I think the toss-up then was kind of like, oh, is it Ben Hollebeck, Box, Kolopny, who, like... And with Kolopny even, it was like, they went to a lot of trouble to get her back. And she saw a lot of playing time recently. So, Well, did they did they go to a lot of trouble to get her back? Or did she just finally annoy enough people? And did everybody else like write enough articles to for her to finally get another shot than for her to do really well? Yeah, maybe. Although, since when has fan pressure ever gotten U.S. soccer to do the right thing? Uh, A-Rod. Do you really think that was us? <laughs> I'll take the credit for it every single day. Yeah, that that deep investigative journalism we did. There, there was a uh, it, it captivated a nation. All right, kind of like Baby Jessica in the well. Yes, kind of like kind of like that elephant's baby that fell in the well. I did you think... see that that clip? No, I think the human baby in a well probably was a little more dire. Nah, an elephant baby in the well. That's what tugs at my heartstrings. Elephants cry. They cry. They like, do. They oh. they absolutely do. They 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 feel a lot of the same emotions we do. Did you see that video of a? I think it was a baby crying after its mom rejected it. Yes. Like it it cried for like six hours and just. It wouldn't... had like a temper tantrum. No, it didn't have a temper tantrum. I think it was mourning. Its mom rejected it. Oh, I must have seen like the part where it was like flinging itself on like the ground. I mean, that's still. It's mom it's kept a, kicking it, so it maybe yeah column A and a little bit of column B, probably a lot of column A and a little of column B after being you know rejected by its life giver. True. Okay. True. 
so I think Dunn was pretty much expected, which sucks for her, but yay Washington Spirit. And yay the Portland Thorns. Yeah, yeah. I've, I really enjoyed the announcement on purely a technical level, because Fox Soccer put production value into it. It was nice. They did it at halftime of a really big game, you know, Champions League stuff. And they had, you know, announcers, like four of them. And they had top-level graphics, and it was a long announcement. They didn't just show a list of names. They were like goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, forwards. They made a big production about it, which I think bodes well for the World Cup this summer. Yeah, I, I think um, from what I've seen of Fox Soccer, they're they're definitely committed, and they're, they're going all in. And they've got the rights to the World Cup for... Uh, a few more cycles here so you know kudos to them for for doing their job but at the same time it's it's just like the the players that were selected were six weeks early for the, even the deadline so we're hey we're number one we won the race we have the first team named for the world cup what are the benefits there of naming this team so early jill ellis said i think in a conference after they revealed the roster there was a, a press call and she said basically she wanted their minds to be at ease going into nwsl and you know what i'm kind of fine with that i'm not fine with that the situation was such that she could name the roster this early but you know what if she knew who she was gonna pick uh the deadline's like a month from now i want to say and so barring anybody picking up a, an insane run of form over the next month which, you know, given who Crystal Dunn is, might not be out of the realm of possibility. If she knows who she's going to pick, then why not, you know, put everyone out of their misery and let them focus on what they need to do so that, because they all know exactly what's going to happen in their lives. Sure. What this tells me is there were no bubble players. Yeah, me too. I agree. Which said, I think says a lot about the development uh, for U.S. soccer. Sure, let's, let's let the players sleep well at night, but now... Uh, that we know who's going to the World Cup for sure, like whose names are on that roster. I I really wonder what their commitment levels are going to be. And, you know, we saw what happened to Ali Krieger. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about NWSL uh, in, in a few minutes, but but we saw what happened to Ali Krieger this weekend, getting concussion. Is, is this going to impact uh, performances on the pitch? Another question I have is, n- right now, I believe tomorrow, the 15th, was the deadline for the 35-player preliminary roster, where you submit to FIFA like a pool of 35 possible names, then you can narrow it down from there. Yeah, we don't have 35 names, so... Yeah, who would those 10 other players have been, possibly? Well, it would be Riley Rampone, (laughs) and the other one, and Fox has a kid, and A-Rod I mean, all the players who have been at camp, right? Realistically... The, in the other ten, um, I would say they would be Yal Averbush, even though I don't really think she deserves right now, based on her performance, to be moving in out of the fringe. But realistically, I think she'd be the in that ten. Maybe maybe Tim Rack, maybe w- Sarah Hagen. Let's see here. I would say, you know, who we would see and who I'd like to see, I think, are are a little bit uh, disconnected. But, you know, I think we, we probably would have seen an Ali Long on that list. Maybe we would have seen a Keelan Winters on that list. I think we'd have to go back to that January camp and those players who got called into the under-23 camp uh, that maybe spent like two days with the senior team. We, we would have to see what that overlap was. And that, that would probably comprise the, the team of 35. 
Now, you know, is that is that the right team? Probably not. There are probably going to be some players that really stand out to us over the next month. But at the end of the day, you know, now now players like Ali Long need to shift their focus from a World Cup to how do I prove myself so I can go to the Olympics? How do I prove myself so I'm on that squad? You really think there's going to be a lot of change between World Cup roster and Olympic roster? Like enough people will retire? Like I'm, I believe in the league enough where I want to believe that there's going to be potential possibility. My favorite player for Kansas City, uh, Buskowski. Jen Buskowski. Yeah, Buskowski. She uh, she had a really good interview where she was basically like, "Look, you know, NWSL is here for that reason, um, and players need to need to start seeing that as a benefit." Not that players don't see it as a benefit. U.S. soccer needs to treat it at like the benefit that it is. I think, I hope that there will be at least three retirements after the World Cup, and that'll be Rampone, Box, and Wambach. Those are the. Th- uh, I mean, maybe. I don't think any of those three have said, "No, you know, I'm not interested in going to Rio." Well, I mean, Christy Rampone and- already has some Olympic medals to her name, so I think going to the Olympics is not as important to her. Abby missed yeah. out on 2008, so I could see her going, no, I want that experience one more time. I'm not sure about box. See, my thing is U.S. soccer isn't an organization, though, that's going to make that call. The players get to make that call. So if they win a World Cup and they are feeling at the top of their game, I am not a betting person. But if I were, I would say, actually, that's a lie. I am a betting person. <laughs> I would say that you, you ride that roller coaster and you finish out the cycle. And I can see pressure coming from U.S. soccer, especially if we win, to be like, you need to capitalize on this. We're going to monetize it, and we're going to push you as the team that won the World Cup going to the Olympics. Right, and it's going to be this ridiculous, like, marketing tool that, you know, the Olympics probably shouldn't be. The Olympics should be the, the same for the women's side as it is for the men's side. And, you know, I know that's a new a new game for the women to be playing in but at some point it needs to be treated as a development tournament not a senior you know world cup level tournament maybe at some point but i actually disagree because i don't think there's enough senior women's stuff i don't think there's enough top level women's soccer that's like taken so seriously and seen on such a wide level that we can afford to have the olympics not be a full senior team tournament right now i really don't like that we have what six midfielders on our squad that have more than 100 caps (laughs) you know like uh, that that that's the type of stuff where i'm like you guys don't need to be doing that like we have a league now we have could you imagine if u.s soccer said okay it's going to be u23 tournament it's all these college players going what sort of exposure what sort of marketing could nwsl get from olympic success or at least olympics exposure with nw or with u.s soccer stars on each of the nwsl teams i'm saying so if you suddenly say the olympics are a u23 tournament and you let the senior players stay on their nwsl teams suddenly you you're you're, it's like a, a double whammy you've got this marketing machine that you've already invested in going and you have this other side conversation about following team usa i'm not super sure that the two would connect from a marketing perspective 
because I think people watching women's soccer who are new to it, who want to find out more about it, will be like, why aren't these players at the Olympics? Who are these players? Like, they're they're not going to make the connection between... I think a lot of people who the market captures that way get attached to names first, and then they come and see names, and it takes a while for them to develop an appreciation for, for more than that. What you're saying is the Alex Morgan marketing machine works. Yeah. And the, the Abby Wambach marketing machine so, works on that. On a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, that there's a potential for something else to be there. For think... it to be more of like a sport and less of a name recognition. Oh, I want to go see this one player. Yeah, I'm, but I don't think that we're there yet. I think we're minimum 8, if not 12 or 16 years away from that. Yeah, I'm just saying that there's huge potential for it to be that. Yeah, I just don't think... Um, I don't think people are going to go to Rio and see, for example, like Sarah Killian. I think she actually might be too old by then for Rio for the U23s. But that's the like popularity level player that I'm talking about, if you know what I mean. Um, they're not going to go see like the Killians, the Didascos, the, the Cassie Coleman's, that level of player recognition, and then come back and be like, I want to know more about women's soccer. I, I just don't think it, I don't see it happening. So I figure, you know, just having a team at the Olympics is expanding the exposure to anybody. Well, and so, you know, I'm what I guess what I'm talking about is, is it really worth it for the NWSL to lose flagship players for two years in a row every four years? Or at some point, do we just say, okay, we're going to lose those players a lot like the MLS does. We're going to lose those players for the World Cup every four years. And, you know, that's that's going to be the tournament. Right now, I'm fine with it. And I'm aware that on the men's side, it's because FIFA doesn't want anything competing with the World Cup as the tournament. So the Olympics are a U23 tournament. And eventually, I hope we do move towards the women's tournament that way. But, yeah. Not for a couple cycles. Why are we talking about the Olympics in a podcast when the World Cup roster was just announced? <laughs> because there wasn't much for us to say about the World Cup roster. Oh, right. Should we actually talk about the actual roster? Because I don't... We talked about people who aren't on the roster, and now we've talked about the Olympics. Should we go back and talk about the actual roster, or... Well, to come back to the World Cup roster, let me ask you a question, then. If you want Crystal Dunn on that roster, who would you kick off to make room for her? I don't want Crystal Dunn on this roster. Who do you want on that roster that isn't on there? I mean, to be completely honest, uh, given the player pool and given the exposure that I've had to a lot of the players, I think this is this roster is as good as we can get. Yeah, that is the thing, though, isn't it? For all the complaints about lack of development and the shriveled up player pool like at this particular moment in time who else can you put in that roster except maybe crystal dunn that you can make an argument for because yeah and it's not to do with like lack of talent it's to do with people who haven't been called in and haven't given a chance to develop so we haven't been able to see many other people in the national team context to be able to do more than make an educated guess as to how they'd fit in exactly i mean i could sit here and be like why isn't keelan winters in here but that's, that's a bigger question than why didn't she make the squad. The, the question is what we asked, you know, five months ago, a year ago. Why isn't Keelan Winters making a call-up? For the players that were made available, this is a good 
section of those players. A lot of uh, players who were asked to camp obviously must not have cut the mustard. A lot of them, you know, maybe came to camp for the first or for first or maybe their second or third times. You know, it's not we don't have a Landon Donovan situation where a player who should have obviously made the team, but due to politics or drama or whatever, didn't make it. Like, this is a good roster. This is a solid roster. Unfortunately, we just didn't have a deck of 52 to pick from. Like, And that's, I guess, with the Women's World Cup coming on the heels of the Men's World Cup and seeing that selection cycle and then seeing this one, they're just night and day different. Like, you know, for, from U.S. soccer's perspective, they literally whittled down the roster. And they made every friendly leading up to the deadline date a competition for the players to prove themselves. And it showed. Yeah, we didn't even have a deck of 35 to pick from. It was for the past, like, four months, it's been 25 people, and you knew two of them were going. And you pretty much knew with about 80 to 90% certainty which two that was going to be. Yeah, you know, what I would love is in four years, we're in a situation similar to the men's side where we start out with 40 players and we start out at Thanksgiving with 40 players, or maybe we start out, you know, the summer before with 40 players and people are just dropping from the roster, not necessarily a, a, a cutthroat nature to it, but there's, there's a bit more of a, like, actually this is the cream of the crop. These are the players that know their position within us soccer. There's probably a comfort level there. Jill Ellis announced this roster six weeks early because she wants players to be comfortable. How different is that from the way men's the men's side's being treated? Now, and, and that begs the question, which one's better? Which tactic is better or healthier? Well, my comparison for which is better is not between men's and women's. It's between all women's national teams. It's not like the other national teams aren't don't have players in their leagues who are all wondering and trying to compete for their roster spots too. So if this proves some kind of mental benefit for players and allows them to start mentally preparing themselves and physically preparing themselves a month sooner than everybody else, then maybe it was worth it to announce this soon. What additional physical preparation can players do today than they could have done with when they were competing for the spot well if it's more for people who know they're not going i guess because it if you know you're gonna have to split your time between your club and national team maybe it affects the way or the intensity or you know how much you train so this or, is that's more of a benefit, benefit of for, nwsl that might be yeah it might actually benefit nwsl well the two players who are staying i don't know i don't know I just, I find it suspect, that's all. We are not the only country that has a league. We're not the only country that has marketing advantage um, with having, you know, Nike and Fox Soccer and all these other companies, you know, backing team. What is the competitive advantage that we suddenly have over Germany? I would just be interested in asking the players themselves, you know, asking American players and then asking players whose teams haven't announced rosters yet, do you think there's a psychological advantage to knowing the roster so much sooner than everybody else? Or that do you would think be it an makes interesting no... survey to do. Yeah, or do you think it makes no difference? Because knowing in May... But... I'm pretty sure the deadline's like May 25th or something like that. Oh, then you don't have a lot of time at all, actually. Yeah, uh, you, like most teams are going to be turning in rosters like two weeks or ten days yeah. before the tournament starts. So in that case, 
is there does it give you a psychological edge to be in that mental space for so much longer or does it make you like over prepared where you try to psych yourself up too soon and you mentally peak too soon by the time you get there you've exhausted your brain thinking about it what happened to canada in 2011 well they got there a lot happened to canada in 2011 carolina Marache isolated them i guess my my take on that was this is the reason why we don't have residency camp you know months in advance or if we do have residency camp, it's it's a situation where we're inviting 35 players to residency camp. The the Marace thing in Italy, there were definitely factors that, there were factors of mental exhaustion. And yeah, if you're in a certain headspace too long without taking a mental break or refreshing, you know, your reasons for why you're doing this, you get fatigued. You're just like, ugh, is this my life? I'm not happy doing this anymore. I don't. Why am I doing this? Actually, I want to ask Colleen Hacker about this, the team psychologist. Is there a certain time you need to start preparing people mentally so that they peak mentally at the right time for a tournament? She would be an amazing interview to have. We'll see. Time will tell. And until then, I will just have, like, acid churning in my gut. Well, I mean, this also isn't fair to us. Let's Let's talk about us for a few minutes, because now... We get to put together the scenarios of all of our worst nightmares and all of our dreams. And we have an extra six weeks to do that shit, and I do not appreciate it. (laughs) Fuck you, Jill Ellis. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Sure, yeah, it's definitely all about our emotions and feelings. It is. That's why we do this podcast. You know, as Oprah says, you can't control how you feel about something, but you can control how you react to it. I have never been able to control the way I react to things. I don't know if you've met me, but you know. I am trying to be better about controlling how I react to things. Oh yeah, that's uh, that that's healthy. I'm trying to control the way I react to things online. <laughs> yeah, don't read the comments. Yeah, don't read the comments, man. Like, people who read the comments. I mean, leave comments on our podcast. We love to read them. But don't read the comments anywhere else. Okay, I, I'll end our discussion of national team roster discussion on some positives and that positive for me is a listener and that's it <laughs> that's a good positive i think some other positives of that you know there are a number of players on this roster who weren't in germany in 2011 um so so there is some growth there there's a lot of new faces so you know that that's a positive the, the unfortunate thing is like so i guess you could come at this two different ways you could be like "Ooh, this last cycle worked Look at this core group of players that we have. But at the same time, you also kind of have to look at it from the perspective of, oh my god, this is like stale, almost. Let's look at the new players then. Uh, Morgan Bryan. Um, Just LaRue. graduated from college. Youngest player on the team. Yeah. Ashlyn Harris. Alyssa Nair. Kristen Press. Julie Johnston. Was Kling an alternate for the World Cup? Not the World Cup, no. I think Olympics. Yeah. Uh, so her... Wit Angen, and Lori Kolopny kind of sort of doesn't count, I think, because she's been I think, there. Before. I think she fully counts. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. She's been out for so long, she might as well count as a totally new player. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that's a decent amount. I mean, if, if you look at that, the, the cycle works. This is a good core of players who have played together for more than 10 matches, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you look at these players, and it's just like, oh my god! Like, are do 
are you and I just paying too much attention to this team where we're Impossible. just bored by this? Like, do you think that's part of it? That we're just like, oh my God, we predicted this. Like, this is what we knew was going to happen. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? No, I think what's happening is two things. First, acknowledging that the roster, for what it is, it's good roster. But mm-hmm. second, also acknowledging that this roster happened because we didn't even have 35 players under consideration. Right. So, we, we, we haven't tested 35 players in the last 12 months. So, yes, it's a good roster, but I think the objection is coming from, is it the best possible American roster we could have had? And we don't know because there was right. never any attempt made to find out. Right. Like that, that's, that's the unfortunate situation we're in where we're, I can't sit here and say, well, Ali Long should really be on this roster because, you know, I don't honestly believe that, but I also haven't been proven. She, she never got a shot to prove it. So, and I'm not, and I'm not like an Ali Long like fan. I'm just saying, you know, that's you did to one me. player that, that I would say, you know, maybe was on the bubble maybe deserve more of a shot like but her, unfortunately her... she's not going to get that shot yeah like her tim rack or keelan yeah or even exactly. like becky edwards or jen buskowski buskowski yeah so now i'm mentally moving away from oh god we don't call in certain blah blah blah, blah. is this the best we could do and now i'm trying to move into all right it is what it is let's focus on what we have to do to win this summer i'm not gonna I'm trying not to think too much about anything else but that, because you're you're you're, you're going into the Abby men, Abby Wambach mentality. No, I'm accepting that this happened, and like shelving the criticism for after the World Cup, because at this point, for several months now, there's been nothing we can do about it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like this is something that should have been, we should have seen something different over the last twelve months. There's nothing that could have happened up until you know January camp that would have changed the outcome of today i'm on board i bought in let's talk about what these this group of 23 players can do to win i mean not in this episode but in later episodes we don't have that kind of time i was like i did not take notes on that that was a curveball swerve so that's the national team um most of them in fact i think almost all of them, except for Abby, who's with Unattached FC, were back with their club teams this past weekend, um, and a lot of them saw time. What are your top three takeaways from this past weekend? Oh boy, oh boy, you're gonna let me go first? Yeah. Okay. So that I so that I can think gonna... about my top three. <laughs> <laughs> so my top three, I would have to say, would be. Uh... Portland looks awesome. I don't know if you know, but they won their match over the on. weekend. You can move on. You can move on to your um, next point. You can move on. <laughs> Just keep going. Um, Push through. I, I'm, so uh, I thought that Houston had a pretty good show. I, th- I think Houston. I think Houston's going to be a contender. They they need to tighten it up quite a bit. They need to to make it a little bit crisper and. You know, not not rely on Carly uh, to, to to score goals, um, but that you know that's going to get them points. Carly Carly's going to get them a lot of points this year, and what they need to do is they need to figure out you know how how they're they're going to um, kind of just make it a little bit quicker. Um, and then the other thing, uh, my third point, I I think everybody just looked pretty good and and kind of on the same page. 
it wasn't like any one team just looked like they were they, they, they were struggling or anything like that. It looked like everybody was kind of on equal footing. Now, some of the score lines don't necessarily show that, but um, I, I am really excited for the season because I think a lot of teams, you know, it's the third year. A lot of teams have really taken a lot of time to put together and build these rosters. And so we're not just looking at a bunch of players who were put on a team together. We're looking at teams that coaches and the GMs have built. Week one is a bit of a crapshoot. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing week three. My, I'm actually going to disagree with you on part of that, because my number three takeaway is that the Flash looked worse than I thought they would. Oh boy. You know what, though? That's just a week one observation, because it's essentially a brand new team with a lot of rookies on it. Yeah. It's their very first week. It was opening weekend. They were playing the fucking Rain who have a great yeah. core of players and have been together since, you know, for a while under fucking wizardess Laura Harvey. Laura so- Harvey, who's going to be coaching Abby Wambach, and I'm really looking forward to that. So, yes, the Flash looked pretty disorganized. They looked like they were struggling to catch up to the rain for 90 minutes, but especially this summer, you know, if they can start clicking together... If Sam Mewis can start pulling strings from the midfield more, they may not look so shitty. But they did look really shitty this weekend. They, they did. They did. I, I guess my point being, for all, for all the teams I watched, like, I watched three of the four games uh, this weekend. For, for those teams, this is a rough draft. You know, the season is not won or lost on the first game. Thank it's God. the first... Yeah, exactly. Like it's 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 your first look at what the play is going to be like against a professional team, um, another professional team, and hopefully, you know, these next couple of weeks, coaches are kind of going back to the drawing boards and being like, okay, do we have, do we really have the right mix of players? But at at the same time, it's just like, I just think it's better than week one of season two, or definitely week one of season one. So my number two takeaway is that Sky Blue and the Dash really impressed me. Now, the Dash obviously come with a caveat, which is that deadly attacking triangle of Carly Lloyd, Morgan Bryan, and Kalia Ojai is not going to be in place for the whole season. So while Carly and Morgan Bryan are gone, we'll see if the Dash can keep it up. But if they do, I I don't see them being a bottom-of-the-table team again this season. I think... A lot of their interviews have focused on, well, last season they really only had 90 days to, from beginning to their first game. Beginning meaning announcing that they were going to exist. And then putting roster together, staff together, all the logistics together, training up a team that could compete in this league in 90 days. That's insane. So with a whole season of their belts, I think the Houston Dash could make a run for middle of the table. We'll see how they do during the summer. And then Sky Blue. Oh, sorry. Sky Blue, who will have Nadia Nadim. Look for her to be just like wild. I hope she goes bonkers. She's so entertaining. She's a great story. Um, I read a, I think it was a, in some New York uh, news outlet. Maybe we'll post a link. And by the end, I was crying, like actual physical tears. Even though I, I know the details of her story, this particular story, reading it all over again and the stuff she had to say about our life, I was just, you know, at the end. You know, 
after you flee the Taliban because they've executed your father and you wind up in a country where you don't know anybody or speak the language and you don't know if you're going to be granted asylum, some things probably just don't scare you anymore. And that might include the back lines of any other team in this league. Oh, for sure. There's, there's a courage that surpasses sports. Yeah. And I think my number one takeaway is, oh, Jesus Christ, please don't suck again this season, Boston. I really couldn't take it. Please. Please. Oh, God. So those are my takeaways from this weekend. What do you think about this upcoming weekend? <laughs> this, this upcoming weekend. Um, I wanted to make sure you, 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 you had your moment there. So this upcoming weekend, I'm not... I'm, I'm a little frustrated at the schedule, the NWSL schedule. I really appreciate that we have a league, that we have teams that are playing. I really appreciate that all the teams are playing for free on YouTube. All four of the games for this weekend are at the same time. Are at the exact same time. Technically, three air at 7 p.m. Eastern, and then one starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. So get those dual screens ready if you can manage it. Yeah, for... 45 minutes. Um, that, that does not please me because now it just means uh, I have homework to do before we record next time. But um, so the first match is the Spirit versus Kansas City. Uh, Spirit uh, are going to be without Allie Krieger, I'm sure. Um, probably without Crystal Dunn. No, um, and Weimer. Mark Parsons said that he didn't play Dunn last time because it didn't make sense. She'd only been to one practice. And oh, okay, so it, yeah. so she's not injured. No, it's just that he didn't think that she'd had time to get up to speed with the team, and it didn't make sense to him to play her. Okay, so we're without Krieger and Weimer against FC Casey. I think FC Casey, uh, I was really blown away by Sky Blue beating them. So maybe that lit a fire. I can see FC Casey um, dominating Spirit 3 to nothing. I can see that too. I can see FC Casey overloading them on their right, the Spirit's right, where Krieger's supposed to play, and then either scoring through there or just hitting the switch. You never know. Um, I've, I've, I foresee a, a Lauren Holiday goal, a Hayo goal, and uh, let's call it a Timrick goal. I'll say A-Rod gets two against the Spirit. All right. Next matchup, we have uh, the Thorns versus Western New York. 4 nothing for the Thorns. For nothing. Um, yeah, I can get on board with that. Sorry, Flash. I mean, it's only your second game, and I don't think much gelling has gone on between last week and this one. Gelling takes more than a week. Yeah. Um, how about uh, the Sky Blue FC Houston Dash match? I see this being a little more even, but I'll give it to the Dash like two to one. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually going to go with Sky Blue on this one. Um, I'm going to say Sky Blue one to nothing. You think Nadim's going to score? I think Nadim's going to score. I think I think she's going to score as often as she humanly can. I hope she does. I really like her. Yeah. She's just casually completing a medical degree while she plays professional soccer. Right? She's only the envy of, like, everyone in this league. And then we have Red Stars versus the Rain. It's the Red Stars' first game because they got it by last week. We're not going on much information here. And it's it's Seattle's first away game. Uh-huh. Red Stars are at home. Red Stars have some firepower to them. Yeah. They've got press, and they might play. They might start box. Box seems to be match fit again because Joe Ellis said she went 90 minutes box to box in that closed door against New Zealand. 
What um what is the status of our Canadians? Um well the Canadians are going to be there for the dash, but they won't be available for Boston the next week. So let's let's assume that all Canadians are available and Chicago has Melissa Tancredi. Oh. I could see Chicago Seattle being a bit of a shootout. I'm going to go I'm going to go 3-2 Seattle on that one. Yeah, I'll just sit there and agree with you because I can see it turning into a real dogfight. 3 to 2 to Seattle. So, so my winners for the week, I'm going with FC Casey, Portland, Sky Blue, Seattle. I'm going with FC Casey, Portland, Houston, and Seattle. Whew, so close. So, so close. close. That's what she said. So that's <clears throat> it for NWSL. We have a quick update for you on Kickstarter. Yeah, so Kickstarter um, is moving along really well. Uh, We are purchasing and getting t-shirts made uh, as we speak. Just kind of finalized that today. So uh, production is going to start on that tomorrow for for the t-shirts if you ordered one. It's going to be probably two or three weeks before we actually get those mailed out to you. Uh, They're being made at a screen printer here in Portland. Um, but they're going to look really sweet. And uh, yeah, so that's that's my update. Do you, do you have an update as well? Yeah. With the contributions we got from Kickstarter, we were able to grab a domain name and some web hosting. And we are going to launch 2drunkfans.com tomorrow. We hope you enjoy the site. It'll have um, our store on it where we can hopefully add more and more merch. And it'll have a blog where we post interesting links uh, to articles and podcasts that we've read and listened to we'll make fun of each other uh on the website i'm sure as much as we do on twitter and uh on this podcast hopefully our, our goal is for it to be kind of a one-stop shop for anything that that we're doing as we're in canada i'm sure we'll probably start blogging a little bit more from that website so uh just be aware like that's another thing that we're doing is is two drunkfans.com um so check it out it's going to be kind of bare bones at first but as we get more content we'll be putting it up there and uh if you have any suggestions or anything like that please let us know and we're we're open to them yeah two drunk fans number two drunkfans.com. dot com wow okay sure yeah we'll go out with a bang <laughs>